Welcome to another episode of the 20-Minute Bible Study, a teaching podcast from Faith on Hill Church in Milwaukee, Oregon. My name's Adam. I'm the pastor at Faith on Hill. And while I put 20 minutes on the timer, why don't you open your Bibles to the book of 1 Samuel, chapter 21? Well, with 20 minutes on the timer, we will return to David. David has been on the run. Saul the king has declared that David must die. So it says that David went to Nob, to Himelech, the priest. And Himelech trembled when he met him and asked, Why are you alone? Why is no one with you? Now, what's going on here? Who knows? Why is the priest trembling? We're not told. It could be that the rumors have gotten around. You know how these things are. The rumors have gotten around that Saul is not good with David. And so if David comes and he is not, he doesn't have his crew with him. He doesn't have um, his soldiers with him. He doesn't have any servants with him. He doesn't have anything with him. He's just showing up and he's showing up where the priest is at the uh, tabernacle. Something's wrong. Ahimelech's not a dumb guy. And David answered the priest, The king sent me on a mission and said to me, No one is to know anything about the mission I am sending you on. As for my men, I have told them to meet me at a certain place. Now then, what do you have on hand? Give me five loaves or whatever you can find. Again, the priest isn't dumb. There's nothing that's so urgent that David could have time to give orders to his men, but not have time to uh, grab his gear and take some food. The priest answered, I don't have any ordinary bread on hand. However, there is some consecrated bread here, provided the men have kept themselves from women. And David replied, indeed, women have been kept from us as usual whenever I, sent, uh, whenever I set out. The men's bodies are holy even on missions that are not holy. How much more so today? So the priest gave him consecrated bread. And since there was no bread there except the bread of the presence that had been removed from before the Lord and replaced by hot bread on the day it was taken away. Now, one of Saul's servants was there, detained before the Lord. And he was Dog, the Edomite, Saul's chief shepherd. Okay, so what's going on is there's this bread. And it gets baked every morning and put in in front of the altar uh, at the Ark of the Covenant. And, and what it is symbolizing, among other things, is it represents um, the givings of the people. It's, a, it's an act of worship on behalf of the people. So, um, you know, we deal in money, right? If you want to buy some bread, you go and buy it with money. If you want to buy some, um, some vegetables, you generally speaking, go and buy it with money. Now, I know there's people in the church that have gardens at home, and uh, we do and all that, but generally speaking, you're not buying the majority of your food from a garden in your backyard. And so the idea with the, uh, you know, with this whole bread thing is that the people would bring in offerings. Yes, there would be bulls and goats and animals, but they would also bring in the first of their harvest, the first of their wheat and their barley, and these other things would be brought in. And so as the wheat and the barley was collected in the storehouses um, throughout the year, then the priest would bake this bread that represented the offerings of the people, and they would place this hot bread in front of the Lord's uh, presence. And then when the bread was replaced, the old bread was taken away, but it was only to be eaten by the priests. And you might think, well, that's a sweet setup for the priest. 
You know, the people bring in their stuff and the priests just get to keep the bread. And, and there were certain parts of, of um, meat that the priests were to keep. So you might say, well, that's a sweet setup. But the reason for this setup is because the Levitical priests did not have any land. When God divided the promised land among the people of Israel, when God divided that land among the people, the, the Le- tribe of Levi, the Levitical priest, did not get any inheritance of land. Uh, they, had, they weren't able to have large farms to sustain themselves. They weren't able to uh, raise cattle and livestock. They weren't able to create uh, business and, and industry. They were given cities and towns throughout the land so that there was always a priest nearby any of the 12 tribes of Israel that they could go to the priest or the priest could come to them as needed. So they were scattered throughout the land with no inheritance and provision came from the Lord. So they were given towns and yes, they could grow a little garden or something like everybody had that. But, but the provision for the priest came from the Lord. And so you might say, oh, that's a pretty sweet setup, but that's literally just how the priest ate. Otherwise, he would have starved to death. But this food was to be only for the priest, actually as a way to avoid corruption. You might remember at the beginning of 1 Samuel, 20 chapters back, the sons of the chief priest, Eli, his sons, Hophni and Phinehas, they were corrupt. And they were taking the grain and the meat that was only for the priest to eat. And they were selling it. You know, they were selling it to, to people. So, hey, you, you, this is a pretty good cut of meat. Why don't you take it off? I mean, then they'd pocket the money. And then there was meat that they were not, that the priests were not to eat. And they would take that meat and eat it. There was meat that was only to be sacrificed to the Lord and used for the worship of God. And there were different ways that they would use that, that meat. And they would just take it and eat it for themselves. And what was supposed to be for them, they would sell and pocket the money. So there was this corrupt system happening. So this priest, Ahimelech, is actually saying like, hey, I'm not supposed to give this to you. And there is recent historical reasons why he is not supposed to give them uh, the meat. Now, you might have noticed that the priests are actually very uninvolved in the story. You know, the starts out, the book of 1 Samuel starts out and the priests are very active and involved. And then we don't hear about the priests again for like 20 chapters. What, what basically happened, I think I've touched on this in previous episodes, is the chief priest and his sons died. And many other priests died in that time uh, because of the sin of the people of Israel and the sin of the priests. And so they had to wait a certain amount of years for a new generation of priests to rise up who could do the work in the temple, and, or at that point, the tabernacle. And so actually Samuel was doing a lot of the work of the chief priest not because that was how it was always supposed to be, but because it was needed in the moment. Incidentally, I, I mean, this is off subject, but I think it's worth talking about. One of the debates that always happens in churches in every generation is how churches should organize. Uh, do we organize this way or do we organize that way? And there's ways that are better in moments, and then there are ways that are better in general. And, and so I try not to get too focused on one way or the other of, of creating a, a system of organization or church government or whatever, Because I recognize that there are times and seasons where, you know what, normally you want the chief priest doing this job, but there was a season where Samuel had to do it. And so I I try not to get too locked into that sort of thing. But what's interesting is the priest, again, he's not dumb. 
The priest isn't dumb. And he knows, the priest knows that David has to be on the run. There's trouble happening. Why would the men go and, and even if David's story is legit, it's still enough, but I, I, I really think the priest knows what's going on. And so the priest says, hey, here's some food. Go. And here's this weapon. It's the sword of, uh, well, we'll get to that in a minute. But, but he, uh, he, he knows what's going on, and he sets David up. Why is it that David lied to him then, and why is it that the priest carries on the charade? Well, we're told that one of the servants, the chief shepherd of Saul, was there. It's interesting that the chief shepherd of Saul was not actually uh, Israelite. He was an Edomite. And, uh, you know, I'm sure there's a lot of people that have read a lot into that, and I could probably speculate, but I'm not going to. But it says in verse 8 that David asked Ahimelech, do you have a spear or a sword here? I haven't brought my own sword or any other weapon because the king's mission, it was so urgent. And the priest replied, the sword of Goliath the Philistine, whom you killed in the Valley of Elah, is here. It is wrapped in a cloth behind the ephod. If you want it, take it. There is no sword here but this one. And David said, there is none like it. Give it to me. So it was basically the best sword, maybe the best uh, metal craft that David had ever seen. And so he takes it and he says, hey, I'll, I'll take it. I'll, I'll take what I can get. But all of this is done in cover. Hey, the, the servant of Saul is there. He sees this whole thing. So when Saul comes and says, why did you help my enemy? You know, the priest can say, hey, I, I didn't know. I knew he was your servant. And he told me that the need was great. So I, I supplied him so that he could do your work, O king. Then David fled from Saul and went to Achish, king of Gath. Now you might remember, Gath was where Goliath, the giant Philistine, was from. But the servants of Achish said to him, Isn't this David, the king of the land? Isn't this the one they sing about in their dances? Saul has slain his thousands and David his ten thousands? And David took these words to heart, and he was very much afraid of Achish, king of Gath. So he pretended to be insane in their presence. And while he was in their hands, he acted like a madman, making marks on the doors of the gates and letting saliva run down his beard. And Achish said to his servants, Look at the man, he is insane. Why bring him to me? Am I, so, you know, am I so short of madmen that you bring this fellow here to, to carry on in front of me? Must this man come into my house? And David left Gath and escaped to the cave of Adullam. And when his brothers and his father's household heard about it, they went down there to him. And all those who were in distress or debt or discontented gathered around him, and he became their commander, and 400 men were with him. It's interesting that David was in need, so he went to the tabernacle where the presence of God was represented. And he found supply, and he found aid, and he found sustenance, and he found all that he could get was there. And then where does he flee? He flees to the king of his enemies. He flees, why? Because he says, well, if I can go there, they'll protect me. And he finds no shelter there. One of the great conversations that happens in my generation of people who have left the church is they say, you know, hey, I was, I was hurt by the church. It's not, the church isn't safe. I can't believe it. I felt more safety and support and love from people outside the church than inside the church. Now, this is complex. Case by case. Because certainly there are times when churches have been toxic, have been abusive, are unhealthy, are not safe places, and people should flee. 
It's understandable. And if that has been your experience, I'm sorry. And I have a standing policy that if somebody has been hurt or mistreated by the church, any church, and they just want to yell at a a pastor and say, you did this to me, even if it wasn't me, you know, but I'll, I'll listen. You don't get to say anything. Fine. That being said, I, I, again, I firmly, fully believe and I recognize and I acknowledge that abuse and toxicity and, and all of these things have happened in churches. And I myself have worn the scars of wounds I have received in the church. You know, you've been lied about? Yes, in the church. Have you ever been treated badly? Yes, in the church. Have you ever left a church because it wasn't healthy? Yes, a couple of times. But I have never found safety outside of where Jesus is. I've never found safety outside of where Jesus is. Sunday mornings, we've been talking actually about this uh, very idea. And one of the things we have talked about is that there is this organization, this structure, this building called the church. And then there is the spiritual kingdom of heaven, the organic family of God, those who have been called and saved by the name of Jesus Christ. Sometimes they're the same thing, and sometimes they are very much not. And I want to recognize the differences. Because there is safety and supply among God's people. And there is danger and distress among the world. I remember, I remember a friend of mine, this, this is a true story, is, is a friend of mine, uh, pastors of church, and um, there was a, uh, there's a young, uh, there's a young person in their, in their early 20s who had been coming to the church for a while, and, um, you know, they, I think they went with, with he, him pronouns, but they were, uh, there was a lot of fluidity happening and um, all that. And my friend, the pastor, one night at the end of a service, uh, overheard a conversation. It just didn't mean to be eavesdropping. Just overheard the conversation. And this this young man, uh, who you know, his sexuality was not what we might call the traditional biblical sexuality, was having a conversation with a 16 year old gal in the church um, who was identifying as uh, a lesbian. And he was talking with her, and they were having just a conversation and he said look I totally get why you don't want to go to the same church as your parents but he said don't go somewhere where they're just going to tell you what you want to hear what a striking thought don't go somewhere where you they tell you what you just want to hear because this young man had found safety and supply among the people of God he had found shelter there And he said, look, I would like them to teach something else. But I don't want people to just tell me what I want to hear. I want people to tell me what they think is true. And what's true is that, yes, the church has problems. 100%. And hopefully we're part of healing those problems. One of the things that has stood out to me the most in the last several years as prominent ministry and prominent leader after prominent leader has been exposed 
is that that exposure has come from faithful believers in the church who have stood up, and some of them have stood up to great cost and said, this is not right. This should not be. God bless those women. God bless those men. Those mothers and fathers of the church, those sons and daughters of the church who have stood up and said, this is not right. David found supply from Amalek the priest. And when he returned to Israel, his family heard what was going on and they came to him. It was when he went to the enemies of God thinking, they'll protect me. And for a minute, oh yeah, come on in, David, come on in. And then all of a sudden he goes, wait a minute. This may not be what I think it is. And maybe you'll find somewhere that will tell you what you want to hear. And maybe you'll find somewhere that will never question anything that you do, provided that you never question anything that they do. And then you'll think, oh man, no one judges me. No one ever says I'm wrong. Nobody ever, whatever. But will you find shelter, safety, and supply? And I do not believe that anywhere in my life I have found that apart from wherever Jesus is. And I firmly believe that Jesus is with his people. So that's where I want to be. That's where I want to be. It says that all those who were in distress or in debt or discontent gathered around him. About 400 men were with him. So here's David who himself is in this season of distress. And now he becomes a place of safety for others in the same situation. Interesting. From there, verse 3, David went to Mizpah and Moab and said to the king of Moab, Will you let my father and mother come and stay with you until I learn what God will do for me? And so he left them in the king of Moab, and they stayed with him as long as David was in the stronghold. But the prophet Gad said to David, Do not stay in the stronghold. Go to the land of Judah. So David left and went to the fortress of Hereth. So David did get his parents out of the country, keep them safe. And then the prophet said, Hey, don't stay there, though. Get back. Do the work. So what does he do? He gets safe. Things are taken care of, but then get back. When it's time, get back and do the work. When it's time, get back and participate. Come on back in. Well, as our time comes to a close, I want to thank you for joining us for another episode of the 20-Minute Bible Study. New episodes are released on Spotify and Apple Podcasts and are on our Facebook page. You just have to search Faith on Hill. We also have other podcasts, including the Starting Points podcast, which is an entry into studying each book of the Bible. We have the Talk About Anything podcast, which is a long-form discussion podcast, and we have our Sunday morning online service as well on all of those platforms. My name's Adam. I'm the pastor at Faith on Hill. My email's adam at faithonhill.com. I want to thank you, and we'll see you again for another episode of the 20-Minute Bible Study.